Hey, yo, artists and musicians. Who, us? Yeah, do you want your own vinyl records? Yeah, but I can't order a thousand of them. Or wait like a year to get them. Yeah, we're going on tour in two months. Check out our friends lathecuts.com. They'll make you vinyl singles in quantities as small as 50 copies and as quickly as three or four weeks. Get out of here. You heard me right. All their pricing is a la carte and they can help you pick a package that fits your budget. Okay, who we talk to about this? You need to email my buddy Mike. His address is lathecuts at yahoo.com. And if you mention low profile, you'll get a 10% overrun on your order. So if I order 50 records? Mike's going to send you 55. If I order 75, I guess you would get 82 and a half? Something like that. Remember, you got to mention low profile to get that deal, and it won't be around forever. What was that address again? That's lathecuts at yahoo.com. Custom-made records in small quantities. Mention low profile to get a 10% overrun on your order. And emailing now. Howdy, y'all. Mark Lee here, and you're tuned in to Low Profile. If you've been listening to the show, then you've heard about Schurler Sundays. It's the live interview and concert series I'm hosting here in collaboration with Three Magnets Brewing in Olympia, Washington. We just kicked it off with two relatively new local bands, Waves Crashing and Knoll State, and we all had a blast. On June 19th, we'll be doing the second installment with the Mona Reels and Annie Schultz, And then the following week, on June 26th, I'll be talking with indie veterans John Atkins of 764 Hero and Doug Marsh of Built to Spill. Everyone's welcome, so if you'd like more info about that, you can find it at shirlerbeard.com. And now, on to today's feature. Athens, Georgia's Elf Power have been cranking out homespun psychedelic rock for nearly three decades as of this recording. Here's a song called Soft Trash from their 14th album, Artificial Countrysides, out this July on Yep Rock Records. Kick the soft trash at 
spoke to Elf Power's founder, Andrew Rieger, about artificial countrysides, the band's beginnings, working with legendary producer Dave Fridman, collaborating with other artists like Vic Chestnut and Robin Hitchcock, his roots in the hardcore punk scene, being involved with the Elephant Six Collective, and his crew of indie rock musicians teaching at the University of Georgia. I usually save my thank yous for the end, but since I know he's listening, thanks Andrew for doing the show. Because I really do love your podcast, and I'm not just kissing your ass, I'm 100% serious. Alright, so this is me getting into it with Andrew Rieger of Elf Power. Come along with us. Andrew Rieger, thank you so much for setting aside some time for me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so where are you right now? I'm in Athens, Georgia. Uh, it's raining outside. There's a torrential downpour going on outside, so I'm nestled warmly in my little little home here, uh, avoiding the nasty weather outside. Yeah, it's raining here in Olympia, too. Yeah. Two uh, hip college towns with Greek names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and rain. Some, yeah, some similarities there. Yeah. Have you ever been over here before? Yeah. Yeah, I've been to Olympia. Yeah, it's a cool little town. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Love to have you back yeah. sometime. Yeah, have you lived there for a long time? I've been here, I think you could call it a long time, about 16 years. You grew up in what, South Carolina? Yeah, I grew up in a little town um, called Greenwood, South Carolina. That's about 80 miles from from Athens. So, uh, yeah, we would come. There wasn't much going on in Greenwood in terms of uh, record stores or good radio stations or anything. So we would uh, we would drive over to Athens or to Columbia, South Carolina, or some of the bigger kind of neighboring towns to go to record stores and go see shows and stuff. Right on. So Athens has been in your life the whole time. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. I know you from uh, the band Elf Power. That's been mm-hmm. a thing for uh, how long now? Um, I guess we started around 94. Yeah, okay. So, it's a long while. Yeah, checks out. And the band has just uh, gone through a lot of uh, metamorphosis, I'd say. Like that uh, vainly clutching at Phantom Limbs. was mm-hmm. uh, a little more on the kind of lo-fi punk rock sort of vibe. Yep. I think the first song I heard from you guys was uh, Circular Malevolence. 
and oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I didn't see it coming. It uh, it it uh, it rocked my wholesome mind. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then y'all got pretty whimsical there for a good while. When the Red King comes, your uh, second CD there. Mm-hmm. What do you think took you to that place? It was really different. It was like, it felt like a big jump to me anyway. there was a big a big change between those two albums i mean the first the first album family clutching at phantom lens was was mostly me on just four track cassette kind of um learn you know kind of using the four track as a tool to teach myself how to write songs and and sing and um a lot of it was done done just by myself um i had a couple friends that played on a couple tracks on there but but most of it was done uh by myself um on the four track cassette and uh so yeah then that was self-released um we even like screen screen printed the 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 album covers ourselves and kind of did everything for a a very small run of that album initially um i got a good response to that album and and so i kind of had to form a band to play those songs live because people um started asking you know asking me to do shows and I didn't have a band, you know, it was just something that I'd created mostly on my own. And so, yeah, basically we formed, I mean, the band was formed in order to play those songs <clears throat> on the first album that I had mostly done, done solo. Um, so yeah, that was kind of how, how the, the, it, it kind of turned in, into a band from, from mostly kind of a solo recording project. Then the album after that, is that the first time with a, a dream and sound where, if you can help me with the producer's name, uh, was it Friedman? Um, Friedman, Friedman, yeah, Dave Friedman. Yeah. yeah. Um, that seemed like kind of a logical next step, but um, kind of he was kind of a big deal at that time. Yeah, yeah, we were we 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 wanted to work with him because. Um, I mean, I was a big fan and still am a big fan of, of the Flaming Lips and Mercury Rev and groups like that. He, you know, had a big part in, in work. I mean, he's recorded a lot of those bands' um, records. And uh, and the, the record label that we were on at the time, Arena Rock, um, the guy Greg Glover, who runs that label, um, knew, knew Dave Fridman through, uh, through a mutual friend. And uh, so he was able to, to kind of get that set up. So... Um, so yeah, that was that was a different experience because um you know, before that we had just done done uh home recording um and you know, been able to work on our on our own timeline and take our time. Um but you know, in this case we had we went to upstate New York to Dave's studio um 
and basically spent spent two weeks up there uh, recording and, and mixing the record. distractions you know we were just right. out in the middle of nowhere in the studio so it's not like your friends are gonna drop by to try to get you to go out and drink beer with them or anything it's it's just you're totally isolated and so um i mean even after we we stayed uh um in like the studio dave's studio there has it has it has bedrooms upstairs and so we stayed um you know on the property and um you know even when when dave would go home at night to uh you know, when he was done for the day, he would leave the leave the machines going so that we could keep keep recording at night while he was gone. So we pretty much just did nothing but but record for those two weeks. So um, wow, yeah, it was definitely a different a different experience. Do you still have like leftover scraps from that time period? Yeah, I mean, we pretty much used everything that we recorded up there on on that record. So no, I don't think that yeah. there existed anything anything unused after that. Yeah, it's 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 pretty jam packed record, that's for sure. And, yeah, <laughs> and I think it's aged really well, man. Like, oh yeah, yeah, thanks. It still sounds fresh when I throw it on. You're putting out what is this? Your thirteenth, fourteenth record? I think it's the fourteenth if you include. Um, I mean, we did a cover song album, and we did. A collaborative album with Vic Chestnut, um, where it was basically us backing Vic up on his songs. But I, I, I include those as as our albums, even though they're not albums of my original songs. You know. Yeah, yeah, and and it's called Artificial Countrysides. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Yeah, it's kind of like a nod to the the sound of the album, where it's it's a mix of like organic sounds and and artificial sounds like a lot of the songs will have um a lot of the songs have like a mixture of drum machines mixed with real drums right um together and uh there's a lot of like synthesized keyboard sounds like a lot of the songs have have like synth bass instead of like a a bass guitar so um so yeah it's kind of it's kind of a reference to to that kind of process of of mixing mixing the artificial uh, sounds with more organic sounds.
seems to me that Elf Power's never taken a break this entire time. It's been a constant stretch. Well, you've been really consistent with putting out records. And uh, you're also a professor at a, you're, you're a teacher over at the University of Georgia. Is that right? Yeah, I teach a couple classes over there. I teach a live music class. Um, I teach a class called um, Distribution of Recorded Music that's about, um, I kind of teach it like a history class where I start in the, in the late 1800s with the first recorded sounds and the early phonographs and gramophones and, um, and work all the way up through streaming music and just kind of do a history of, of recorded music. Um, so yeah, I like, I like teaching that class a lot, actually. Yeah, that sounds really fun. Um, especially just like if you're already in it, you know, that's the best kind of teacher you can have. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really happy. Uh, I'm really excited. Um, and glad that I get to teach in this program. It's, it's got, um, some of my colleagues there are really cool. David Lowry from Camper Van Beethoven and Cracker teaches with me there. And um, the head of the program is David Barbie, who was in the band Sugar with Bob Mould in the 90s. Um, and had another great band in Athens called Mercyland. And he's a recording engineer that's recorded um, Drive-By Truckers and Deer Hunter and The Glands and R.E.M. and lots of lots of great bands. So, um, yeah, so it's really cool to, to be... Uh, you know, working with guys like that, teaching in that program. Yeah, and, you know, that list of names that you just mentioned there just kind of reminds me what um, an institution Athens, Georgia is in itself, and um, just that Elf Power is forever a part of that canon now um, on on sort of an official level because uh, Athens Inside Out Part 2 just came out recently. Mm-hmm. And um, I was real glad to see you guys um, in that and represented um, along with your Orange Twin label and farm and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, did you did you watch Athens Inside Out the first one? I did. Yeah, when you I were saw a kid. When I was. Yeah, yeah. I I had the soundtrack on on LP that I listened to a lot and. Um, yeah, that was my introduction to a lot of the more obscure Athens bands um, that I grew to like a lot, like the Barbecue Killers and even Pylon. I think that was probably my first introduction to Pylon. Um, so yeah, I definitely grew up um, with that movie and the, and the soundtrack too. What was your reaction when they asked you guys to be a part of it, or did did it just did you just happen to fall into it? Um, yeah, I, I had, had known the director, um, Bill Cody, cause he, he comes to Athens a lot, um, just cause he, he lives in Los Angeles now, but, um, you know, he's got a long history with Athens since he made the first movie and he's, he's here a lot. So I already knew Bill. Um, and so, yeah, you know, we we're glad, obviously glad to be a part of it cause we love the, love the first movie so much. A new generation out there riding in the sun Here comes the rain on the fortunes that you won And now the shapes are pressing down into the mold Sharpening the true desire 
Do you love listening to Low Profile? There are several ways you can support this show. You can sign up for flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash lowprofile at the cost of a cup of coffee once a month. If you join the Patreon community, you can get advanced episode releases, behind-the-scenes exclusives, and early access to merchandise. If you can't contribute financially, it always helps if you tell a friend about your favorite episodes, share about Low Profile on social media, subscribe for free on your favorite podcast platform, and give us a rating and review whenever you listen. Low Profile also receives in-kind support thanks to these independent Olympia businesses. San Francisco Street Bakery, Schwartz's Deli, Rainy Day Records, Old School Pizzeria, and Schurler Easy Premium Shitty American Lager from Three Magnets Brewing Company. And most of all, thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. Now, let's get to today's show. I wanted to mention um, the book Endless, Endless that just came out. That's more of elf power getting in the current media right now before your record comes mm-hmm. out and uh for the listener who may or may not already know it's about the elephant six collective which you guys are associated with from early on mm-hmm. and uh, it's just sort of a intensive uh oral history of that collective and uh that whole movement and does it feel like that is uh i know that there's not like elephant six records being released officially anymore but is the community still there yeah i mean i think it was only as far as it being like an official record label i I feel like that was only kind of the case for a short period of time I, i think it's mostly always been just more kind of like a, a kind of a collection of, of kindred spirits, you know, people that kind of share a passion for home recording and collaborate with one another. Um, I mean, that's how, when I, when I first met, uh, I mean, I, I guess I first met the guys in Olivia Tremor Control when we, uh, we met at a party here in Athens in the early nineties and, um, or the mid nineties, I guess. And, uh, we had, recorded the Vainly Clutching album and um, Olivia's, the Olivia guys had recorded their first um, two singles, I think. Mm-hmm. And so we, we traded, uh, traded records and, you know, kind of realized that we were some of the only people in town that were, were doing, you know, home recording like that. And so we kind of realized that we were, were kindred spirits in that, in that way. And so then we kind of started, started hanging out and collaborating on recordings with one another and, yeah, that's kind of how we became associated with, with all the, that crew. Yeah. It's beautiful, man, when, uh, you know, friendship and collaboration uh, just crank out history. <laughs> like, yeah, for you're, sure. You're just, you're just having fun, and um, it's mm-hmm. a f- have no idea how many people it's going to affect and to what extent. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. When you're making art in the moment, it's usually 
nowhere in your mind like what happens when right. we hit stop <laughs> right yeah yeah and that's probably the best way or if you're preoccupied with how it's going to be perceived then that would probably affect your process too much to have it sound too authentic the sticky go to school there did you do college in Athens I did yeah what was your focus what was that all about um I was an English lit uh major and I got an English lit degree um my dad was an English literature professor he taught uh Shakespeare and Chaucer and um he actually had a class called madness in literature where he would talk about different examples of madness in literature and then he would also talk about madness in music and talk about like Brian Wilson and Rocky Erickson and Daniel Johnston and people like that so um so yeah and my brother's also uh an English professor um he runs a William Faulkner center at a college in Missouri where they have a lot of Faulkner's original manuscripts and typewriters and stuff like that so oh wow yeah definitely definitely come from a from a literary family my mom's also uh, has taught on the college and and high school level and stuff so um so yeah come from a family of of uh of professors right on and uh and it was a music household as well or did did you do music when you were little yeah yeah i mean my brother and i um you know, took piano lessons, and um, we both played in the band uh, in, in junior high and high school. Um, and um, But yeah, neither of my parents were, were musicians themselves, but they were both big music fans. And uh, so yeah, we definitely grew up with, with a lot of music around the house. So what was your first band? My first band was a punk band called Silent Minority in high school. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, kind of a, a hardcore punk band. Um, we would we had a few ri- original songs, but we would do songs by the Ramones and the Exploited. And uh, um, our singer had a had a mohawk. And yeah, we were just we could barely play, but we had a lot of fun, kind of bashing out some some simple punk tunes. That was my very first band. I'm a big fan of of. Uh, you know, especially back then, I listened to a lot of punk and hardcore, and uh, I still I still like that kind of music quite a bit, even if even if I don't necessarily play that that style in in my own band. Have you kept up? Are there any new like punk rock acts that you enjoy? I mean, there's some some good local local bands around here that I that I've seen that are good, like kind of hardcore punk bands there's one called food eater which is a good name for a band that's a great um, name yeah <laughs> um, I have to admit I don't really keep up with like the the hardcore punk scene as far as like 
as um well they're so localized there's so many of them yeah for sure i feel like you have to you know know somebody who can buy you a tape at a show to like get the spectrum yeah yeah or just go to all the shows but Mm -hmm. actually i i hadn't really seen too many shows during the pandemic you know obviously i mm-hmm. it had been like uh, two years since i'd really i mean we had played a couple outdoor shows over the last year or two and i'd seen some local bands but um the first like big kind of national touring band that i had seen in two years in december was uh the circle jerks and negative approach so that was a you know kind of an old school hardcore tour that i got to see that i really enjoyed yeah, I mean they sounded great, and I mean the singer Keith Morris is like sixty something, and he he sounded fantastic. So it was fun. So what about the farm? Is there a is there a story behind that? The Orange Twin Farm. Yeah, so it's it's called the Orange Twin Conservation Community, and um, myself and Laura Carter who has played off and on in Elf Power over the years and who I co-owned the label Orange Twin Records with. Um, we're, we're members of the land group along with uh, a bunch of other people here in town. So it's basically a bunch of people that co-own a piece of land that's um, a little bit outside of Did Athens, you go to about, school there? About, uh, did you do college? Drive out. I did, yeah. It's a former Girl Scout camp. Um, so the idea is that a lot of it's going to be kept as... A nature preserve um and then there some people will build homes on another part of the land uh there's currently just one big house out there and there's a there's a garden there's an amphitheater where we have concerts we've had um will oldham play out there we've had um the tall dwarves from new zealand um oh, nature wow. hotel olivia trimmer control uh Neil Hamburger, the comedian. Um, we've had, yeah, we've had a lot of cool shows out there. Jandek played out there once. How did the Neil Hamburger event go? He's that was great. He's a big favorite of mine. Yeah, yeah, same here. Um, yeah, that was a show where when when Vic Chestnut and Elf Power were playing together, um, we played out there, and uh, and Neil Hamburger was uh, was. Um, the opening act for for us and he he was even uh doing some some tailor-made jokes where he was trashing uh trashing us and Vic and the Orange Twin community so we we enjoyed that quite a bit but yeah so back to the Orange Twin community so there's a swimming hole there's like an old pavilion where the Girl Scouts used to have events um yeah it's just a beautiful beautiful piece of land um and uh so yeah, we have the, the office for the record label out there. So yeah, that's yeah. what's going on out there. Growing some good food there too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's some good, good stuff coming out of the garden, and there's um, there's goats and there's chickens. So there's always fresh eggs out there. So yeah, that's nice. Oh man, you know who'd probably die to play there is um, the food eaters. <laughs> it's actually food eater <laughs> oh okay but yeah well, you only need one they, i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah they would eat some food yeah um so 
you you mentioned uh Vic Chestnut and uh mm-hmm. that Dark Developments record that you did with them. It was uh one of his last recordings before he passed, but um is mm-hmm. a it was a really really cool feat uh on everybody's part. And uh I feel like it was kind of the most arena rock uh sound you, you guys were on the label called arena rock i just realized but um mm-hmm. you know it, it had like it was a big like uh you know it was showy <laughs> it was real showy and really fun mm-hmm. um was that record um something that had been planned for a while was how, how did that how did that one come around because it's very different from your whole catalog i'd say yeah well i mean it's it's big songs you know and he he uh so obviously it's gonna be different but um but yeah he he basically i mean we were friends with him and he knew that you know we were i think we were mutual admirers of one another um and uh he actually got asked to do a tv show on um the tbs network uh i think the show is called music road and um so we we basically learned a bunch of his songs to play with him on that television program that was shot live at the 40 watt club what about your days of glory when your life was anything but boring now you're making these more phone calls and your friends they gather to cuss and console what were you doing in that awful decade after the news broke and those murderous policies were made were you doing running around when I was here for you well away from that crowd and then I think that that show never even aired like the the, the, the television program only lasted a couple a couple shows and, and the one that we filmed never never was never was actually aired although I think you can find it on on YouTube now um, and so yeah Vic just really liked you know working with us obviously we, we loved working with him and so um, so yeah then we really kind of slowly recorded that album over the course of like a year and a half um, at Vic's house and just uh, recorded um, we'd get together as often as we could, you know, when, when we were both in town, um, and, uh, yeah, he would teach us a song and we'd play through it a couple times and record it and then, and then kind of move on. So he, he didn't want us to overthink it too much. So it was kind of, uh, Hmm. yeah, kind of, he wanted our first kind of inclinations or thoughts, you know, on this, on the song without overthinking it too much. Um, which, you know, that's not my natural inclination. I like to, I like to, 
do a lot of trial and error and try different things and then see what works and what doesn't and kind of obsess over recording songs for a long time but it was it was fun to to take a different approach and to uh you know to kind of move move through things quicker without thinking about them too much yeah have you been doing very many other collaborations in like the last decade or so um we've done some shows backing uh robin hitchcock um a couple shows here in Athens, and then we played a festival oh, with wow. him in Norway uh, in 2019, um, where we learned a bunch of Robin songs and basically played as his backing band. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we're also huge fans of, of Robin. So yeah, how'd you come um, and to meet that, that guy? Uh, I mean, he just he has a long history in Athens as well. You know, I mean, he's worked with the REM guys back in the day. Um, oh, sure, sure. And yeah, actually, I think it was just the, the way that it happened that we collaborated was just that we were booked to play a show together at the 40 Watt, and uh, we reached out to him and said, hey, you know, we're fans of yours, and we already know how to play some of your songs, so, um, you know, do you want us to, to back you up? And he was like, sure. So we learned a set of his songs and only only played with him at soundcheck for the first time and uh oh, yeah, that's great. worked out great so so yeah we've done that with him a couple times Is he on Orange Twin? No, he's on uh, Yep Rock, the label that's putting out our new album. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So this is the first time you've uh, released on another label in over a decade. Yeah, I guess it was since uh, we were on Ryko Disc, which was maybe the last album we did with them was probably 2008. We're, we're excited to be be working with them for sure. It'll be. I think it'll be be nice to to have some help in that regard yeah is there is there any orange twin stuff that's been uh keeping you occupied like uh as far as the label goes any releases you're excited about or um we put out a songbook of um sibylla Bayer, this german songwriter from the 1970s i think you're familiar with her yeah i've got um, that book thank you yeah Oh yeah, I sent you one, I think. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh so yeah, I mean that's actually been the most successful thing we've ever put out on Orange Twin. Not the songbook, but the the album that is a companion to the Sibylla Byer uh Color Green album. Um people really just love that album, so um so yeah, that's uh it was cool that we got to do a, a songbook companion to it where it has photos and lyrics and um the guitar chords and like you know tunings and it's kind of like an old school like 1970s songbook that you would see for like simon and garfunkel or the beatles or something so yeah so that was really cool it's very beautifully thoughtfully done and i i gotta say you it was no small favor you did the world by releasing that sabella by a record well thanks yeah I, i love it it's it's probably my favorite thing we've ever put out on orange twin and and people seem to love it so um so yeah it's always nice to hear who played you that for the first time so elf power had toured with um 
Jay Maskus of Dinosaur Jr. and his band The Fog in mm-hmm. the early 2000s, um, and he put us up for the night, so we crashed at his house, and uh, I just remember waking up in the morning, and he was making coffee for us, and he was playing this beautiful album, and I, you know, was like, what is this? And he said, this is, you know, this woman, Sibylla Byer, she recorded this album in the 1970s, and it was never released. Um, she's, you know, this German woman. Um her son, Robbie, lived there in Massachusetts and was friends with Jay and had given Jay a copy of the album. Um, so, yeah, Jay knew that we that we already, you know, had, had put out, you know, reissues of, of kind of old stuff like that. And so he thought that would be, you know, we'd be a good label to, to release this. And so he put us in touch with her son, Robbie, and that's how that happened. Any music videos coming along with this new album? Yeah, we've actually got... Um, three or four in the works one that's finished and um two more that are that have shoot that have already started shooting but are still kind of in the process of being finished either shooting or or editing um and then a fourth one that we've got an idea for but haven't quite started on yet so yeah we're hoping to have at least four maybe five come out for this album i want to i is one of those songs uh, filming the sequel before all the actors die? Um, that is one that that we're hoping to do a video for, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just <laughs> the title alone made me chuckle, but I really, I really enjoy the song. Pulled from the wreckage from which no. that tune conceptually or um you're, you're the writer yeah um i mean i i yeah i guess i kind of envisioned like just at least for that that line kind of you know being like you know envisioning like a film production company that had like a big a big hit on on one one movie and then you know they're they're trying to trying to trying to get one out before before some of the older older actors in it die maybe so it's kind of like a desperate a measure of desperation is i guess was what i was referencing maybe yeah. you could think of like the movie uh i don't know if you're familiar with the the movie from the 80s cocoon where it's like a bunch of elderly actors that are like in a nursing home and they're visited by an alien that aliens that make them youthful 
So then they did a cocoon two a couple years later, and I think a bunch of the actors had already died by that point because oh, all man. the actors were very old when they made the first movie. So I didn't know I they made a sequel to that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cocoon two, the return. Look it up. It's quite bad from what I remember. Um, but yeah, so you know that could be a reference point, I suppose. That yeah. wasn't exactly what I was thinking of at the time, but later when somebody asked me about it, I thought of that as a possible example. Uh huh. I feel like there's a lot of uh, sequels coming out way later lately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, scratching that nostalgia itch, or maybe they've got some terrific vision that, uh, you know, now's the time. I don't know if that yeah. was the case with the Zoolander sequel, but yeah, I don't know if I ever saw that one. Yeah, yeah, but there's yeah, I could I could sit here and think of a lot of those, but I don't really need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, do do you do any writing other than songwriting? Um. Yeah, I I kind of dabble in in short stories and stuff like that. I haven't done any of that in a while, but I kind of like to get back into it. I and I do I have written some some music articles for a couple magazines. Um Oxford American, I wrote something for um the local mag- music magazine here Flagpole I've written for. So um so yeah, I like to I like to write um both fiction and nonfiction sometimes, but I haven't done it as much as I'd, as I'd like to in recent years. Are there any other like avenues of creativity you'd like to explore that maybe you haven't scratched that itch with? Um, I'd get into maybe some visual art at some point. I mean, I'm not, not that, not that good, but I'd like to maybe try to try to learn some more about, about painting or, or visual art, but, um, but yeah, I've just been kind of consumed with, with music all these years that I haven't really branched out too much in other realms. That's the thing about music. It's catchy. Yeah. <laughs> It'll hook you. Open the door and eventually fled The rain it came dripping I guess I would also like to say that I, I'm really glad that you asked me to do this because I really do love your podcast and I'm not just saying that I, I came to your podcast independently of, of knowing you, I think because either, I think I was, maybe it was the Bobby Brown episode, um, because I'm a big fan of, of him and, and a friend of his and, um, I think I just was looking, I think I just did a blind Bobby Brown search in podcasts and came up with, with yours. And then I saw that you had, you know, my friend Julian from the music tapes and Neutral Milk Hotel. And I listened, you know, and then I started going back and listening to a bunch of your your episodes and realized that you know, we have pretty pretty similar taste in music. And um, so, yeah, yours, yours is one of 
my favorite um, music podcast. So I'm really happy to be able to God, do this. I'm so flattered. And I'm yeah. not. And I'm not just kissing your ass. I'm 100 percent serious. Yeah, I man, I appreciate that so much. You know, it it totally blew my mind to uh, to find that out from you uh, after having listened to your music since like the late '90s. Just uh, the world keeps getting smaller. so much for doing this episode with me it's been a real pleasure talking to you and i hope we talk again real soon all right thanks talk to you soon for low profile i'm mark lee morrison and this has been my interview with andrew rieger founder of the athens georgia band elf power their 14th album artificial countrysides is out this july on yep rock recordings And you can find links to the music you heard on today's show, as well as some music videos and notes on this episode at lowprofilepodcast.com. You can also find all the previous episodes of this program and links to bonus content there. Elf Power is on Instagram at elfpowerband, lowprofile at lowpropodcast. The portrait for this episode was donated by Nathan Burko Gibson. Next time, I'll be talking with the avant-garde musician Lorne Connors. I'm going to play you out on a piece of his called The Red Painting. Love you. See you soon. <laughs>